Can you hear me, Annie? Can you hear me now? Curtis, this is Mike. I'm on uh, the phone. I can hear you. Oh, okay. I wonder what happened to Andy. <laughs> Did you unmute me or was that Annie? Probably Annie. Well, then she obviously knows I'm on the line. Well, kick it off, and she'll join us when you join us. <laughs> hey, Curtis. Yeah. You see, uh, I see in your state there, they didn't wait long before they launched the race cards, um, already claiming, uh, you know, the uh, the Democrats, well, as always, they're, they're the socialists, they're playing the race card right off the bat wasn't even two hours after the election had ended where they uh, tried to accuse the guy of calling him a monkey or saying, let's not monkey this up or something like that. Yeah, Ron DeSantis said that big mistake. When I heard it, I knew it was going to be big news later. Yeah. Well, what, what, what's, uh, I mean, does it look good for the Democrats? Um, considering the GOP has kind of dominated Florida, um, this guy is really to the left. Well, I, I think it'll be a good contrast. So I, I really, what is this in the episode? That is weird. My my time has one fifty four. Okay. Well, it looks like we are on the air. So welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio. Our highly respected and beloved host, Annie, is busy trying to um, work out some technical issues. This is her co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Today we have two great guests for you. We have Tom DeWeese, who is one of the nation's leading advocates of individual liberty, free enterprise, private property rights, personal privacy, and he has back-to-back, you know, back-to-basis education and uh, American sovereignty and independence. We also have later Mona Fishman. Mona is a musician, songwriter, and she's a music contributor at Voices of Liberty, formerly powered by Ron Paul, and now writes songs for Donald Trump as a grassroots supporter she performed one of her most popular songs, Trump Train, at several rallies um, in Nevada. 
Now, we have a dedication, as most people know who listen to our show. We pay homage to a fallen um, serviceman or first responder. And today's dedication was to be for Army Sergeant First Class Stephen B. Cribben. But I do not have that information, so we are going to have to um, do that a little later once Andy gets back on the show. Um, I would like to welcome everyone that has joined us in the chat room. And um, if you can hear me, let me know in the chat room. Yes. Heard it. I am here now. I could not get in. I was hearing sound. I was hearing everything, but for some reason, Skype would not act act up. So I had to actually download and reinstall Skype. Reboot. So I apologize. Oh, no problem. Uh, like I was saying that we we normally do a dedication, so I'm not sure if you're ready to do that right now. But um, yes, if I you're am. Ready, yes. You, you can take it from here, Annie. Boy, boy, am I pissed. <laughs> anyway, those that listen to the show know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going to go out to Army Sergeant First Class Stephen B. Cribben. He was killed in action on November 4th of 2017 while serving during Operation Freedom's Sentinel. And this is from Stripes.com, written by Chad Garland. A U.S. soldier killed in eastern Afghanistan has been identified as a Green Beret with an extensive training and nearly 15 years of military experience. Sergeant First Class Stephen B. Cribben, 33, of Simi Valley, California, died of injuries sustained during combat operations in Logar province, according to the Defense Department statement. Cribben was assigned to the 2nd Battalion, 10th Special Forces Group, based at Fort Carson, Colorado. General John Nicholson, commander of U.S. Forces Afghanistan, offered condolences to the Cribben family in a statement. Quote, despite this tragic event, we remain steadfast in our commitment to the Afghan people and to support them in our mutual fight against terrorism, Nicholson said. The deadly incident involved Cribben is under investigations, and the military did not disclose further details. Cribben is the second special operations soldier to be killed in Logar province recently. On October 27, 2017, Chief Warrant Officer Jacob M. Sims died in a helicopter accident there. The 36-year-old was assigned to the 4th Battalion, 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment, a unit known as the Night Stalkers, at Joint Base Lewis-McCord in Washington. A native of Rawlings, Wyoming, Cribben joined the Army in November of 22 and trained to become a military police officer at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, according to an Army Special Operations Command release. He served in Asia, Europe, and the United States and deployed three times with the Fort Campbell, Kentucky-based 716th Military Police Battalion to Egypt for the biannual Bright Star Exercise in 25, to Afghanistan in 2006, and to Iraq in 2007. 
He graduated from the Special Forces Qualification Course in 2014 and was assigned to the 10th Special Forces Group at Fort Carson. He was a Future Plans non-commissioned officer with Special Operations Command Forward North, then served as a Senior Communications Sergeant for Special Forces Operation Detachment Alpha. He deployed to Afghanistan with the 10th Group in September of 2017. We will honor and preserve his legacy. We will cherish, protect, and support his family, said Colonel Lawrence Ferguson, 10th Group's commanding officer. Our focus is with them at this time. We will never forget. His awards and decorations include the Bronze Star Medal, three Army Accommodation Medals, nine Army Achievement Medals, a Meritorious Unit Citation, five Army Good Conduct Medals, the National Defense Service Medal, Afghanistan Campaign Medal, the Iraq Campaign Medal, Global War on Terrorism Expeditionary Medal, Global War on Terrorism Service Medal, Korean Defense Service Medal, Non-Commissioned Officer Professional Development Ribbon 3, Army Service Ribbon, Overseas Service Ribbon 3, NATO Medal, Combat Action Badge, Special Forces Tab, Parachutist Badge, Air Assault Badge, and Pathfinder Badge. He is survived by his wife and two young sons. Today's show is dedicated to Army Sergeant First Class Stephen B. Cribben. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve in our military from the birth of this nation through today and into its future. We also dedicate the show to the brave men and women that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. God bless them all. And we dedicate it with this song by Todd Allen Herndon, My Name is America. Others gave it to me 
They believe in the virtues I stand for My respect for humanity Now I'm challenged by tyrants Who envy my power But they're vicious Listening to Southern Sense here live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, the Lone Star Daily News up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, all the heck with it. Just go to the name of the show, put a hyphen in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the mostest, a very frustrated hostess with the start of the show, the radio chick Annie, along with my co host, Curtis Courageous C.S. Bennett. And we also have <laughs> hanging in on the line. Oh, Mike, thank you for stepping in at the start. I don't know what the heck the technical difficulty was, but Skype uh, would not let me in. So I want to apologize to listeners for that. We will edit the beginning of the show and get it clean and neat and put it back up a little later. That said, I want to welcome a guest. He is a friend of us here in South Carolina, especially uh, my buddy Joe Dugan with the South Carolina Tea Party Coalition Convention. It's always fun to have him and talk with him uh, when he's around. He is the founder of AmericanPolicy.org, Tom DeWeese. Good afternoon, Tom. How are you today? I hope you're having a better day than I am. <laughs> I, I guess maybe I am, Annie. It's, uh, uh, I'm getting things done. <laughs> <laughs> you are. And uh You know, with Trump in office, we're looking at a lot of good things. Actually, not good things. We're looking at a lot of bad things that have the potential of being rolled back. And with the nomination of Kavanaugh uh, for the Supreme Court, there's a possibility of the Kehoe decision being reversed. It was the biggest destructive force that we have ever seen on personal property rights. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, when... when, uh 
Kavanaugh was nominated, what you heard all the time was, where will he stand on the uh, abortion issue? Will he roll back Roe v. Wade? You know, that was what everybody talked about. And as I listened to that, I started thinking, you know, there's another really bad Supreme Court decision that affects every home in this country, and that was the Kelo decision. That was made back in 2005. And uh, the, here you had the Supreme Court justices uh, who all they have to do is take the Constitution and hold in one hand and take laws passed by Congress or proposed laws in the other hand and look at it and say, does this match? That's all they have to do. And they're appointed for life. They don't have to worry about uh, job security or anything like that. So just make the decision. Here they did, handed down this decision, the Kelo decision, that said that uh, property, if, if a certain property would be more valuable to the community used a different way than it's being used now uh, for another profit, uh, private enterprise, well, that's okay. That's what we'll do. Uh, which is complete. And that what they did was they decided that private property no longer exists in this country. If the, if the planners in the back rooms and the developers sitting there carving up your community and saying, here, we're going to do this in this neighborhood and this in this neighborhood, then uh, private property is not secured. And that's exactly what the Kelo decision did. And that's why we have this massive use of eminent domain across the country in every single community today just – bulldozing things down and putting something new up. I remember that decision very well because I was not, we didn't have the tea parties back then. They didn't come around until 2009, four years later. And I think that was the start of the, the, the populist uprising, realizing that our rights and liberties are being taken away because I remember getting angry about that, writing to my congressmen, writing to my senators, writing op-ed pieces into the newspaper. I was, I was hopping mad. And up in social news, uh, uh, the networks, Suter was taking a huge hit, and people are actually out there telling him that they're going to take his property uh, because of, he was the final decision on that. And I think that was the start of it. It was the great awakening, I think, at that point. Well, it certainly helped. And the I, I am probably the only person uh, that is saying this in this manner as to why did they come up with this decision. Uh and the fact is, particularly Stephen Breyer, and I'm sure other members of the, of the court did as well, as I said earlier, that all they had to do was compare certain things with the Constitution. Does it match? They started talking about, well, we need to look at international laws, international policies as we make these decisions. And I contend that the reason that they came uh, to this conclusion with with the Kelo decision, which went against every single precedent that had ever been laid down by the court about private property, went against every word that was ever said by the founding fathers about private property. The founding fathers kept saying private property is, is as sacred as the word of God. You cannot take private property from people. So why did they come up with this decision? Well, Stephen Breyer, for one, uh, has has made the statement over and over again that we need to look at international laws, international policies as we make these decisions. 
Sustainable development is international policy. It comes from the United Nations. Sustainable development cannot be implemented if private property is protected, and sustainable development is the official policy of Agenda 21, which they claimed as they introduced it uh, in, in uh, 1992 was a comprehensive blueprint for the reorganization of human society. And that is exactly what they're doing now as the bulldozers are belching in front of home after home, and uh, they are deciding what they're going to do with your private property. That's sustainable development. You know, it's funny because shortly after the Kehoe decision came down, my local county council, the geniuses on it, decided they wanted to do a sales tax referendum for sustainable development. And they wanted to have these nice walkway paths and everything else that would take property from the people within that path, and my property being one of them. And as they were having these discussions on what to put into this referendum, what projects to include and what projects not to, I was watching the members of this committee as they were debating each other, and one of the people on it happened to have been a former state uh, senator. And as I'm listening to this debate, you know, the audience, we couldn't participate, but we could listen in. My jaw nearly dropped when someone said, well, uh, we can't just – what are we going to do with the property owners along these routes? Because they want to put a bike path uh, next to my property. I don't have a problem with that as long as you compensate me justly for that, which the Constitution declares. There must be just compensation. And this one former state senator goes, oh, we'll just take the property under eminent domain. My jaw dropped. And I got up on every single local social media I could find, and I spread the word like wildfire. And that tax referendum went down in flames. And, you know, it, it, you saw it time and time again. And then the county council came up with this sustainable village. And I sat down, that county council member, because he was dumb enough to sit down with three Tea Party members, uh, leaders, one from Hilton Head, one from Bluffton, and myself from uh, uh, Buford. And, boy, did he get an earful. That also went down in flames. We can do it. It's just a matter of the will of the people to overrule the idiocy of government. I absolutely agree with you, and this is what I talk about across the country. I have seen so many people looking down at their feet saying, we've lost the republic, there's no hope, there's nothing we can do, and they just give up. One of the real problems of our movement is that uh, we might get reared up for something on a day and go down to a meeting or – make some phone calls or something like that, and then we go home. And these guys are sitting there with their arrogance. They know exactly what we're going to do. They're sitting there looking at their watch saying, okay, they're gone. Now, let's go forward. And then our people stand there and say, well, I tried, but it didn't do any good. The other side never stops. You know, we have taken several different policies and, and really put them out there and made people aware of it. And what's their reaction when we do that? When we make we, we make it political poison, you know, don't don't do this. Well they change the name of it and then they go right back after oh, yeah. it. And you know, that's that's what they do. They're very good at that. We ha we don't have that stick to itiveness. Now one of the reasons for that, to be fair, is because we're growing families, we're working jobs, and it's very difficult for us to to be there like that. But we've got to be there. I hear from elected officials who are on our side across the country, who are saying our people never show up. All we have there are these NGO groups, these planning groups, who are pushing these policies. And uh, you know, so when you go there and you 
you you you you're talking to a city councilman or whoever it might be, and he and you're talking about these policies, and he's looking at you like what? What are you talking about? It's because he has never heard a discouraging word about what they're doing, uh, and and these NGOs they, they have this massive amount of grant money coming in say hey look we got it all right here it's in a box you don't even have to think and we got the money for you too and there it is and and that's the way it's been running that begin they begin to believe in good guys who got elected to office because they wanted to be involved in the community wanted to help they they hear this everywhere and they begin to think well this is a proper role of government and that's what they're doing they're slowly implementing it uh step by step well, I, I should have mentioned at the start. I just want to mention this, Chris, because I should have mentioned this when I introduced you. That on your website, AmericanPolicy.org, you've got a new book out that they can um, get on on your website called "Sustainable: The War." The, if I can talk straight, oh, good lord, the war on free enterprise, private property, and individuals. And also, they can download two other books for free. Uh, special report, Agenda 21, and how to stop it, and why property rights matter. Want to make sure I put that plug in for your books on there. Go ahead, Curtis. Yeah, I was just wondering if there's any groups, group or groups out there that are trying to push back or even reverse this this keyhole decision. Um. Specifically, the Kilo decision, I have not heard of anybody specifically trying to do that. Uh, that's why I wrote the article I did, uh, Will Brett Kavanaugh Stand for Property Rights? I wanted to put it into this debate. I want, I want members of Congress to ask him that question when he's up for you know, his, his hearings here to uh, decide if they're going to you know, put him in. And uh, one of the things that I've been pushing uh, now is stronger than ever is to make property rights a national issue. All these things we're talking about, and think of all the things we've mentioned so far, and, and, and the people who are hurting and people who are angry from these policies, and yet, does this ever come up in an election campaign? Does a candidate ever get put on the spot? Where do you stand on property rights? And and and, and begin to make that a big decision? No, it, it, it hasn't happened, and it's become my goal. To make that happen, if we can make it happen in the Kavanaugh hearings, if we can make it happen in the election campaigns, then that's what we have to do. And uh, actually, we, we've come up with a, um, a candidate's pledge or a candidate's promise to uh, protect property rights today as they're running for office. This is the only time they ever care what you think. And so <laughs> if, if you're there where they are, uh, you know, campaigning, and you can go up to them and say, uh, candidate so-and-so, where do you stand on private property and the protection of it? And listen to him, him and Hall. He probably doesn't even know what you're talking about. But we've put together a candidate's promise to protect citizens' property rights. And what we've put in it is a definition of property rights. This was written by a Supreme Court justice named Richard B. Sanders, Supreme Court of the state of Washington. Uh, that Supreme Court, as well as others across the country, as sustainable development programs are being put in place, they began to get these cases about private property, and he realized they didn't have a good definition. What are we talking about here? So he writes this definition. He says, property in a thing consists not merely in its ownership and possession, but in the unrestricted right of use, enjoyment, and disposal. Anything which destroys any of the elements of property to that extent destroys the property itself. 
The substantial value of property lies in its use. If the use be denied, the value of the property is annihilated and ownership is rendered a barren right. We took that, doc, that definition, put it on this promise, and all it says is, uh, these are the positions I pledge to promote and uphold for private property rights if elected uh, for the position I seek. And put that in front of them and say, you sign this or not. If they sign it, now you've got a tool in your hand that if they, if they break from that is after they get in office, you can say, hey, you said you were going to protect this. If they refuse to sign it, now you know what you're dealing with. So where, where can it's on the website. Promise? Where can, it's on, our website. on the website? Yeah, right. at AmericanPolicy.org. Yeah, yeah. You're also president of New Property Rights Network. That's something that I, I hadn't heard about before. Tell us about that one. Yeah. Well, I'm not president of it. I'm just kind of an organizer of it. It's a property rights network. We are trying to bring together uh, activists, and um, uh, there are elected officials who are with us on these programs, uh, Shows like yours. There are Patriot radio shows all over the country. And uh, all these different people who are working on, on a lot of these issues. One of the things is we have some fantastic activists working in different communities. They are tireless people. I, I just am in awe of, of, of their energy on how they do things. And a lot of times they're working by themselves. And the worst thing that can happen to us is to be by ourselves. Uh, because that's so much easier for the other side to dismiss us, for the candidate, for the elected officials to dismiss us. And um, so, putting the property rights network together, uh, what I'm hoping is we can share ideas. We have people who have done some magnificent things, and I want to take what they've done and, and teach other people. Say, look what they did here, and uh, here's what you can do. And uh, so this is the purpose of it. It's not a new organization. It is a place for us to network. And, uh, in fact, on September 23rd, that evening, it's a Sunday, uh, we're going to put together the first of a series of conference call webinar uh, type things. They are training uh, things that, uh, where we you know, can bring people on and, and teach what they've done in, in other communities and so forth and, and spread that word. We're going to have the first one on the 20th. You know, what, what I'd love to do, Tom, is to get you down to our Tea Party after the midterm election, uh, because this is something that is really going on in our community. Uh, the county council wants to develop this area, develop that area, you know, widen roads here without, you know, compensating people. Uh, people don't understand exactly what their property rights are and how they're starting to be whittled away. You know, look at what they're doing, of course, with millage rates on your your uh, real property. But here in South Carolina, it's not just on uh, real property. It's on business assets. It is on cars. It is on boats. It's on the motor of the boat. And they're taxing us to death. But the purpose of owning property, and be it a tangible asset or real property, is to bring wealth. And instead, government says, well, you've got this wealth. We're going to take it away from you. Well, isn't that called socialism and communism? Well, the root of sustainable development is redistribution of wealth. And, uh, if, you know, they, um, in, the, in the early days when Agenda 21 was, uh, it was uh, promoted, they uh, used kind of a logo. And you'll see this logo in lots of different plans still to this day. It's three connecting circles. And uh, each circle is uh, labeled. 
And uh, the, the three circles are ecological integrity. Well, that's the excuse for it all. Uh, economic prosperity. This leads to public-private partnerships, partnerships between government and business, which is out on Mussolini's fascist playbook. And the third one is the most important, social equity or social justice. And this, this means redistribution of wealth. This means uh, open borders, no, no um, uh, national sovereignty. Uh, property rights, things like that. are It's a social injustice for some people to own property and build wealth from it when others cannot. That's racist. And uh, all this, 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 these are the three E's of sustainable development. And uh, this is the root of all the policies that are being put in place. You know, when I was, I, I haven't gotten through the whole book because I, I told you last night I was speed reading through it because I hadn't realized it was out there until I went onto your website. Duh, Annie, do your research. <laughs> anyway, um, one of the things that, that struck me as ironic is that here government for a long time has been pushing for lower income people to be able to afford their own home, getting out of living in apartments. And at the same time, they're talking about sustainability trying to force them into urban areas. There's a hypocrisy in there, right? Oh, absolutely. The whole thing is is built on hypocrisy. And, uh, you know, one of the worst uh, programs that we're we're, we're suddenly starting to make a little progress in doing something about is uh, coming out of HUD. It's called Affirmatively Furthering Fair Housing, AFFH. These guys, their their most creative stuff is in the labels they put on these things, you know, Affirmatively Furthering Fair Housing. I think when they come up with these labels, they got to be stoned. <laughs> no probably right. <laughs> but um, what this one says, it, 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 it's out of the Obama administration, and it says that communities have to do deep research in determining uh, a balance in their communities, looking at every single neighborhood and deciding – how many people do we have of different income levels, of different races, of different religions, uh, various other things that they have to look at? They have to go through every neighborhood and, and, and analyze this. And then, and, and there's no definition from HUD about what this means or, or what, you're, what you're shooting for. HUD decides you're out of balance. And there are some communities, particularly in, in more rural areas, where they, they can't meet HUD's requirements. Uh, because they don't have enough of a certain race or a certain income level or whatever, certain religions. And they actually are requiring people to advertise in other communities to get some certain kinds of people like that to come into there so they can comply. <laughs> this is the insanity of it. One of the worst things that they've done is, um, uh, for example, in, in Baltimore, the uh, NAACP filed a lawsuit against the city of Baltimore saying that Section 8 housing, all put in the same area of town, creates ghettos. Well, duh. (laughs) We could have told them that 50 years ago. And so they sued saying that it's not fair that that is the case, and we need to start putting – uh, this um, government-paid uh, housing in higher-income neighborhoods. Now, what's the result of that? People who have worked hard, invested their money, bought their homes, live in the neighborhood they want to, suddenly federal housing programs are going to be put in their neighborhoods, and what's going to happen? The property values are going to plummet, and their investment is dead. And private property 
is then destroyed. This is sustainable development in action. There's nothing fair about it. There's nothing where anywhere you can reach forward and, and better yourself. It's not going to help the people who are, are those low-income people who are put there. They're now stuck in neighborhoods where they're not wanted, and, and there's a happy stance to, to try to live under. So all the way around, and all they can do is yell racist and unfair, and this is what we're dealing with. The unfair is they're destroying people's lives. Well, the left is Absolutely. always about spreading, spreading um, misery. You know, these guys, they, <laughs> they believe everybody should be equal and no one should, you know, have an advantage over the other. But we're not equal, you know. I mean, some of us have talents that others don't and never will. And so, you know, you can forget this trying to make people um, equal in anything. Well, yeah. Tom, what I don't get about the forcing Section 8 housing into wealthy areas, what happens to the government's tax base? Where do you think you're going to get those tax revenues? Those wealthy people walk away from that neighborhood and says, well, I don't want this in my backyard, so I can afford to lose the property, you know, let it roll back to the bank. I don't care. I'll go to another right. neighborhood and start all over again. And this is what a lot of wealthy people are doing. They'd rather take a hit on the property, walk away. Sure. You know, claim it as a loss or whatever, walk away and then start all over again in another wealthy neighborhood. So who benefits? No one except yeah. well, that wealthy person who can take the hit. If you were to take almost every single program that they're moving to install this way, you will come to the same conclusion. The bottom line is it destroys the tax base. Uh, you know, that's one example happening in the inner cities, as you're describing, and, and, and what's, what's going on there. Another one is conservation easements. They, uh, they are getting farmers you know, who are afraid that they're going to lose their farm. The reason they're afraid they're going to lose the farm is because the taxes are too high on their property, because uh, you know, we've got international competition for their products or whatever the case may be, and they're hurting. And, and I've never met a farmer yet who didn't want to be a farmer. He wants to save his farm. And maybe it's generations of his family that have lived on it. And so they, these uh, uh, land groups come to them, and they say, oh, you want to keep it a farm? Here, we got it for you. Here's a conservation easement. Just sign this paper, and you're set. It's forever. It'll be a farm. And then they say, well, we'll give you some tax breaks too. Well, the fact of the matter is, once they do that, it's the, the, the bottom line says this conservation easement is there in perpetuity forever. However, that's for the property owner. However, for the land trust that got them to sign it, no such rule. They can trade them, they can sell them, whatever. It becomes these land, uh, these conservation easements become a commodity for them and a source of income. And uh, meanwhile, they are dictating to the landowner, to the farmer, what farming practices they can do, what, uh, you know, what kind of chemicals they can use, what kind of products, what kind of crops they can grow, things like that. And the other thing is the land has now been taken off the tax rolls because of these, you know, they, they've, they've, they've reduced it. And so what happens when that happens? Now they have to raise the taxes on other people to make up for this amount of land being taken off the tax rolls. That's conservation easement. Well, or even become more creative and find a new way to tax. You know, I, I'm always amazed when I, especially my local county council comes up with some of these harebrained ideas and 
<laughs> and of course, when they see my smiling face sitting out there in the audience, they go, oh, <laughs> crap, <laughs> what are we in for now? But that's what is important. People have to know what's going on. They don't realize how this affects their daily lives. And we're talking about real property at this point, but there's other things that are uh, property that government has been going after. Um, oh, good Lord, the word just went right smack out of my uh, – oh, asset forfeitures. You may not be yeah. guilty of a single crime, but government has been coming in and forfeiting your assets. There's a perfect example a number of years ago. Um, I remember about it when I first started the show eight years ago. Can't believe we're into our ninth year now. About a young man that was traveling, to, I believe, to Nevada to go to college, and uh, because he was carrying a ten thousand or more dollars on his person, somehow or other, I don't know why he was stopped, but the police found out about that money on him and confiscated it. And it was money his family just scraped together and saying, hey, listen, you're going to need money to live off of if you're going to go to this college. So you don't have to worry about, you know, working the first year. Here's cash. Put it in the bank. And then as you need it for your housing, for your food and clothing, use it. But this way you don't have to worry about having money in the bank. And the government took his money. Yeah, I, I worry about that when I travel around the country and I, I do speaking and I sell my books and so forth. Most people hand me cash, you know, to buy it. And if, if it's an extensive trip or a large gathering, whatever the case may be, I might have a large stack of cha- uh, cash on me. And I worry about going through the uh, airport and having that on me, that they, they discover that. Uh, I, I knew of a case of, of a man who was in uh, the industry. He, he worked on um, – they had plants and so forth. I can't remember exactly what, what he did, but he, they bought plants and brought them back to plant them and things. But it was a cash industry, and he was on his way to do one of those uh, buys and had a lot of cash on him, and they found the cash on him, and they confiscated it. Why? Confiscated for what reason? Not, a, not guilty of anything, and then when they, they do find the truth out, getting the money back is darn near impossible. You know, that's just theft. Absolute theft. And it's also not just cash, but it's also your other assets, be it a car, be it a business. There were several uh, – there was a gun dealer down in Texas, and he was dealing in a large amount of cash because for some reason Citibank and Bank of America decided they weren't going to allow their credit cards being used for gun and ammo purchase. So consequently, his customers went and used cash instead. And again, his accounts were confiscated. So it's, it's, it's just not just cash, but it's other tangible assets. When we talk about property, it's not the land or the house you're sitting in, but it's just about everything else that is a tangible asset. <clears throat> oh, it's, uh, that, that's, I mean, that's what we're dealing with here, that no private property exists. And, and of course, with all the surveillance on everything. They know exactly where you are, who you are, what you're doing, and, uh, you know, all, all kinds of, of details like that. So, um, uh, by the way, I was mentioning this uh, AFFH thing. Uh, l- l- let me go, because we've talked about a lot of gloom and doom here, and it, it definitely is there. But all of a sudden, some things are happening. Uh, first of all, uh, Secretary Ben Carson at HUD, 
has started to make some moves to roll back the AFFH rule. And, uh, of course, he's getting all kinds of grief from uh, uh, this other side that, uh, you know, is yelling racist and all that and um, trying to save it. But he is starting to make the moves. And um, we're getting ready to put out a um, an email on it. Uh, he, we've got about another 30 days. He's asked for public comment, and uh, we're going to put out an email and and give people an opportunity to um, make a comment. And we're we're going to send it down to Ben Carson in mass so that we can counter what they're what they're doing. Um, meanwhile, oh, make sure I get that so I can make sure I get that because I'll blast it out over here too. Are you <clears> getting <throat> our, our our stuff when we send it out? But, uh, I don't think so for some reason. Okay. I know well, I, mean, I, I don't think it's something that. Joe Dugan Joe Dugan sometimes forwards me stuff. That's why you know that's why you're on the show because Joe <laughs> Dugan sent me something. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, I'll, I'll yeah I'll take I've got your email I'll put it on there. Uh, meanwhile, we are starting to have some victories. Uh, we we had a uh, a big victory in a tiny little town in Alabama called uh, Bayou La Vitra. I know I'm not pronouncing that right for the locals. I apologize, but um, you know that it's the community down there. Uh, a, a bunch of green organizations gathered a bunch of grant money together, and they decided that this beautiful little community, a picturesque community, was going to have uh, eco tourism. That's what we're going to have here: eco tourism. Uh, there's a reason why that sounds like eco terrorism. Um, the uh, they had everything all lined up. They had they had the city council behind them. They had the mayor behind them, and a bunch of good activists. And I'm proud to say, people who had heard me speak <laughs> said, "Wait a minute, that's you know that's Agenda 21. That's sustainable development." And uh, they began to fight. One of the things in the in the documents that they'd grown up, they, they had said. Uh, the industry that is in this community is boat building, shipbuilding, shrimp boats, things like that. They've done it for almost 200 years. And they said, oh, you're all grandfathered in. You don't have to worry about a thing. Uh, except in the small print it said, however, if your shipbuilding company is destroyed by a hurricane or a flood or a fire, well, then maybe we'll put in some bistros or something there. You're not going to rebuild your, your, your industry. That, so all this stuff came out. Anyway, long story short, the activists rose up. They convinced the city council. The council voted five to nothing to kill the bill, to kill this thing. That was a victory. I just came back from Shreveport, Louisiana, where, um, again, a, uh, another group were trying to instill a national heritage area called the Cato uh, Lake National Heritage Area. And uh, – this is a 900-square-mile area with a boundary around it created by an act of Congress and using federal money. That means something. And you talk about historic preservation. Well, anything historic is already preserved, but now you've got all these homes, whole towns, businesses, all that inside this boundary, and now you've got millions of dollars flooding into the pockets of non-governmental organizations, planning groups, things like that, who use the money to lobby the various city councils and county commissions and all that down there, parishes, um, to uh, put in all kinds of zoning restrictions and that sort of thing. People came together. I went down and addressed them. 400 people in a very rural area showed up, and the congressman pulled the bill 
because they saw the opposition building. Now, they're going to come back with it, but we stopped it this time. And so that's another another victory. I'm working with city councilmen in uh, Nebraska, two very courageous city councilmen, standing up against a uh, very uh, corrupt city administrator and four other councilmen who rubber stamp everything he does. And, uh, you know, on and on like this. I've heard some from people in New York. In other words, people are starting to wake up. They're starting to see what is happening, and I'm being inundated with people saying, help me, what do I do? And uh, I, it, I've never seen it. The 20 years I've been fighting this issue, I've never seen people rising up like they are now, and all I'm trying to do is get where I can and throw gasoline on it and make sure it, it you know, gets <laughs> bigger and bigger. <laughs> I'll send you a fan. <laughs> with, with, Trump, with Trump being a uh, real estate expert i'm sure he's he's aware of some of these um property right rights issues now personally i believe that in his second term which i believe he will win and after this molar investigation is over i think he's going to turn his attention to um grievances just like this and 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 not only that i believe he'll have more support in Congress after this midterm election um, to get his agenda put forth. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I sure hope you're right about that. And uh, I'll be I'll be honest with you. I I've thought this from the beginning since he first announced he was running. I believe because he is a developer, because he has had to run into all kinds of these rules and regulations, and you know, with his mental attitude about the, you know that anyway, and he you know he was saying, what's going on here? What is this? And I believe that that had a lot to do with why he ran for president, because he saw this out of control control over uh, uh, you know, out of control control over uh, everything he tried to do. And he, you know, he sees it firsthand. So I, I agree with you. I, I think that, uh, I mean, he already tried, you know, going through the uh, through EPA, rolling back a whole lot about this, and um, made a lot of progress in that area. And, uh, you know, I think he sees the problem and uh, definitely is is moving in that direction. I think that's why we're starting to have some victories here. Yeah. Well, I, I just noticed a question up in the chat room. Cole was asking. And um, he he's said, would keeping the different classes separated cause division in the nation, though? The poor taking out the wealthy, et cetera. But we, we are unique as a nation because we allow the poor to rise above their poverty by giving them a hand up. But government is giving them a hand out. A hand out keeps them suppressed. By having the ability to own property, to strive to work to own property, to determine your own destiny, it – the United States is unique because our our classes are closer together where you've got the wealthy, the middle class, and the poor. We'll always have poor, always. But the uniqueness of America is that the classes are closer together than anywhere else in the world until Obama became president. Then the gap increased. Under Trump, those gaps are now decreasing. Am I looking at this right, Tom, or am I looking at this wrong? No, absolutely right. And I mean, we were designed to be a classless society, that everybody had equal opportunity. This is the reason why legal immigrants flooded this country and, you know, the turn of the century, the 1900s and so forth, uh, and earlier than that, because of that opportunity. They were coming from oppressive kingships and potentates and all that that were ruling, keeping them down. 
and here they had a chance that they could come here without a dollar in their pocket, and they could end up they could end up being president of the United States. It could happen, and that's the way it was it was designed to be. And uh, you know what has happened to? Uh, of course, we had problems. We you know the, the whole slavery issue and all that uh, was an issue, and it, but that's been resolved. And uh, you know Martin Luther King said. I, I uh, have a dream of the day when a man is judged by the content of his character and not the color of his skin. Barack Obama turned that on its head, and everything is now judged by the, skin, the color of your skin. And, uh, I mean, I, I never thought anything about that. I look at somebody based on who they are and what they are, not on, on anything else. I don't care. And uh, I think the majority of Americans believe that and, and look at things that way. But we are now being absolutely attacked simply because we were born white. I mean, that's, that's the division that is being uh, you know, poured on us here. This is done on purpose. Divide the masses. Have them come at each other. This is a classic communist strategy to divide uh, the, the people uh, in, in, in classes and uh, have them fighting each other, and uh, you know, then government comes in as the answer to you know stop it all. And what happens? Government gets more powerful. That is what you see happening. It is absolutely class, classical of, of every uh, time I've ever seen this done in other countries where the communists have moved to take over. And, and you have groups like Antifa out there with their faces covered and their clubs bashing people and uh, attacking anything and everything that people say and do. Uh, again, this is to destabilize our society and, and our culture. That is very true. And, you know, as I said, you know, we're unique as a nation because property rights have given us the ability to create our own wealth. Prior to the United States of America, the idea of someone of a lower class or someone of the middle class actually owning property, being able to retain their property, was, was not heard of. Not heard of. Only the extremely wealthy, only those of royalty, only those of the tyrant class were able to have property. Everyone else was just a, a peon, just a worker, a serf. And with the birth of the United States, this became a unique idea that you can come over with a penny in your pocket and work your way up to become a millionaire. And yes, as a nation, we've made mistakes, but we're growing. And as we grow, we correct those mistakes. So as we move forward, people have to stop looking back and playing the blame game. All right, fine. You made an error here. We corrected that error. Move forward. But we've got an area of our society that insists on walking backward instead of forwards. And this is where the disunity starts, where they pit white against black, male against female, heterosexual community against the non-heterosexual community. We've got to stop fighting each other and look forward, which is why I love your website. I love your book. And I want to make sure I get the book name correct this time, Peace and Straight. Sustainable, the war on free enterprise, private property, and individuals, as well as they can download on your website, uh, which is AmericanPolicy.org, the other two books for free. 
Yes, yeah, the, the booklets, uh, the Why Property Rights Matter, just a small booklet, uh, but it gives the definitions of property rights. People have forgotten what property rights are, as you said, stated earlier, and uh, this goes into great detail of what, what they are, why they are important and what they are. And uh, then the other one is, is uh, the special report on Agenda 21, how to stop it. Probably the most popular thing we've ever put out. We've put over 10,000 of these out, and people are coming up to me for it all the time. So we offer it on the website. You can download it for free. Uh, you can buy it if you, if you want the printed version, but you can download it for free right there on the website. And, uh, yep, the book is there, and uh, it goes into all these details and um, uh, goes into great detail of what all of them are, where they came from, and uh, above all, at the end, solutions on how we can fight back and what we're going to do about it. Yeah, I just want to make a notation because you, you mentioned about you know slavery and everything er- earlier. And uh, what people don't understand is that after the Civil War, the largest growing community of small businesses happened to have been African-Americans, former slaves. All that was – they were having a tremendous growth of prosperity through the 1920s. And then all of a sudden, when we were trying to push, actually, the first Civil Rights Act was by Republicans immediately after the Civil War, which was repealed by Democrats in 1895. And then again, Republicans pushed forward with it, being uh, filibustered by Senator Lyndon Bain Johns uh, until he became President Lyndon Bain Johns and saw a way to use it to suppress the black community with the birth of, of uh, welfare and other social services. Then all of a sudden, the black small business class began to shrink. So here again, property rights, where he was able to take a people that were becoming highly independent, highly successful, and some of the, the first black millionaires came out of that group, especially a woman that opened up a cosmetic company. You know, here she was, the daughter of a slave, and out of nothing, ended up becoming a multimillionaire. So you know, with property rights growth, uh, wealth growth will increase. But when you force people into sustainable uh, uh, communities, into urban living where they rent, not own, then wealth disappears. And this is what you talk about, Tom. Absolutely. And and, and this is one of the big things is what's going on with these smart growth programs, which are part of sustainable development. They go into uh, lower-income neighborhoods in the, in the inner cities. And there are people there who do own homes. People There are small businesses there, mom-and-pop shops, restaurants, bakeries, laundries, things like that. And uh, they come in and they bulldoze all that, and they replace it with these uh, stack-and-pack high-rise condos. And any businesses there now are big corporations in their restaurants and their, you know, whatever the business may be. And what happened to the people who live there? Now they can't afford to live in their old neighborhood again, and they are forced onto public housing and into public welfare, and then their ability to to have a life of their own and work from the fruits of their own labor and so forth is dead. And the way the welfare system has been fixed, it used to be assistance. You might need just a little bit just to keep ahead, just to get ahead or to catch up or something. Uh, now all of a sudden, if you're on welfare, you have to give up all your assets and just be stuck on that. And it's a hopelessness and uh, it's a death of, of a human spirit. And, uh, and, and we're seeing that anger. Their anger is there. Uh, yet who has the guts, if this is your only means of income, who has the guts to say, 
Well, I'm going to throw all that off and go off on my own and see what I can do. Very few people. And so they stay on it, and uh, then it becomes a system. And, and that, again, uh, again, divides people into classes, and we end up with the mess that we have today. I want to thank you for uh, joining us uh, and welcome you back because there's so much more to talk about. And uh, hopefully I'll see you running to, into you soon. And I do want to talk to you see if you can come down here to South Carolina and talk to my group about you know property rights because uh, this is really important. What our county council is doing to us, we have to know what's going on and how to counter it. Well, you know, I'm going to be in South Carolina starting the 11th of September uh, through the 15th. I'm doing six events in five days down there, so I'm preparing for it now, and I'll be all over the state. Yeah. Oh, well, hopefully then uh, <laughs> you can be in my area and you and I can have coffee or something together, okay? Okay, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. All right. Check out Tom DeWeese. Uh, His website is AmericanPolicy.org. And definitely check out the books, download them, and uh, learn more about protecting your property rights. And we have now a friend of the show. We love having her on, Mona Fishman. Good afternoon, Mona. How are you doing? Hi, Anne. Hi, CS. I'm doing great. How are y'all? Oh, we're having one of those days. I had a hard time starting this show. Yeah, kind, now, of, uh, kind of funky day. <laughs> oh, well, hopefully some Trump tunes will help cheer it, cheer you up a little bit extra. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm just putting a note into the chat room. Hang on a second. Right. Uh, oh. You've got some great new songs out, and... Uh, we want you to start talking about them because we've got the midterm election coming up yes. and some of these songs fit right into it. Um, and I want to talk about the first one, the Trump train jump on it uh, that you did for the midterm elections. And it seems like um, it's not turning out the way they thought they were going to have a blue wave, is it? No, it's not. Not We hope not to. We hope it continues in this cycle. Uh now, uh, actually, uh, the Trump train jump on it, that that was also originally for the regular, um, for his first presidential election, and that's the song that I played live at a lot of the rallies in Nevada, in uh, Las Vegas, and Henderson. But my brand new song is called We Can Drain the Swamp, but I plan on, and it is a midterm song I wrote specifically for the midterms, and it contains some of our favorite horrible, horrific characters like Mad Maxine and Pelosi and and Bob Menendez, Pocahontas, and, and Bernie Panders, and uh, Adam Schiff are in it, and by name. And, uh, and, but I'm going to change it for the 2020 election as well. But I, that one is my first attempt at Southern Rock, which matches your show, right? So I'm thinking that my We Can Drain the Swamp show might need, uh, song might have to be like maybe one of your theme songs for your show possibly, I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I think you're going to enjoy it. It's my first attempt at Southern Rock. I'm sorry, you faded out, Mona. You, we lost a whole section of you. Oh, you did? Oh, my God. Um, I, I think I'm being patched <laughs> in by the 917 number. Can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, we got you now. <laughs> so oh, you were okay. talking about changing, adding some stuff to the song. Yes. Right now, currently, We Can Drain the Swamp is the name of my newest song, that's for, specifically for the midterms, and it's, and it's my first attempt at Southern Rock. So I think it matches your show perfectly. So, um, did did you upload uh, We Can Drain the Swamp? I think CS might have had it before, because um, I know I shared um, it. Okay, yep. Here we go. 
And let me just get my That's little the keyboard. One. Oh, that, okay. Yep, here we go. Let's go. We can drain the swamp by Mona Fishman. Yeah. out there dancing <laughs> <laughs> has anyone from the uh, Trump campaign or from his his uh, administration tried to reach out to you on this stuff not yet but I'm I'm hoping they will soon eventually it's gonna happen you know I'm hoping to be one of his you know at least favorite one of his favorite so- songwriters for him you know um 
I, I imagine there's lots of people still writing songs for him like they were during the original election. Um, but, you know, now that we've had some some changes, like now that Kimberly Guilfoyle's on his team, maybe I can reach out to her. Um, yeah, but I have quite a few people from, from uh, you know, closer to him following me on Twitter, but I don't know if they've actually heard my songs, you know. So, and this is a pretty well, new one, so... Well, since this went out on Twitter you know, to all of our followers here, so maybe someone is clicking on the show. I do. I, I have a strong suspicion someone on Fox News does listen to the show here, uh, because a lot of my uh, guests, I'll turn around, walk through the living room, and go, "Hey, he was just on my show." <laughs> you know, I was walking oh. through the living room yesterday, and there's Cody Wilson up there, and I go, "Hey, I know that guy. He was on the show." So it, it's funny. Um, Matter of fact, uh, two weeks ago, I've, I've tried, oh, Seamus Bruner uh, was talking about his book, and I joked on air, uh, Curtis, if you remember, I said, how much you want to bet Seamus will be on Fox News within a week? Five days yeah. later, Curtis, he was on Fox News. <laughs> Five oh days later, he was on Fox News. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> maybe there's a chance. Fox, listen to this gal. She's got something to say. And she's cute too, so she'll make good eye candy on the camera. <laughs> oh, oh, good. who are you talking about? Uh, oh my gosh, so cute. <laughs> and so you're we, we've too. got it up on. <laughs> we've got the video up on YouTube, playing live right now, as well as Facebook, and people can see that you are a, a, a very attractive young lady, and they see my old face and my wrinkles. <laughs> Don't uh, worry about it. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I'm just trying to represent for Trump. No. All I was trying to do, you know? Well, it, it's funny yeah, maybe because it helps when, uh, Trump... <laughs> when Trump was uh, first running, um, it was funny because, you know, callers would come in and people would ask in the chat room, he's like, you know, why would you really think this man would be any good as a president? My first response was, do you think Hillary is going to be any better? Absolutely not. Do you think Bernie would be any better? Absolutely not. And my joke was, I think a pet rock as president would be better than Bernie or Hillary. Um, yes. But I, I said that, you know, when they came out with the Trump train, I said, listen, people are going to be jumping aboard, and they have. And you look at the rallies he has to help people, you know, get through these midterm elections through the primaries. It's phenomenal. I believe they said out of the 16 candidates that he backed, 12 of them won their nominations. That's a good statistic. It is. Well, that's because it's Trump time right now, which happens to be an upcoming song that's not recorded yet. But, uh, yeah, it's his time. And, um, you know, I'm a former and always will be a a Ron and Rand Paul supporter, and Rand Paul's the one that led us to Trump and and anybody but Hillary, of course, but specifically for Trump. And I already knew, of course, that Trump was a nice guy because I had waited on him at the Palm Restaurant uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, like I mentioned, for Ivanka's birthday. So I already knew he was a nice guy. And uh, always, you know, I figured his... And, and when he when he came out with his anti-Hillary speech, I knew he was awake. Between he and Roger Stone, that's who helped me also wake up to Trump, besides Rand Paul. I have to give them some credit, too. So, yeah. And, um, yeah, I think he's so brave to have fought Hillary for it. And our, I love Q. I'm doing a song about Q, too. But... Um, I love all the Q things. Are you up, up on all the Q stuff going on? I just I just started to to learn a little bit about it, and 
I'm 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 still a little hazy on it. You know, I, I just started reading about it last week. So if you want to tell, explain exactly what Q is, because this is a new. It's not exactly a new phenomenon, but it's a growing phenomenon. It started, I believe, with the WikiLeaks, and it's just expanded from there. Well, there's all kinds of stories out there about the Q, uh, QAnon. Um, and I believe, I don't know who Q is, but there's, there's different stories. But what it is is there's certain posts that are clues, sort of cues and clues, that, um, that come to fruition that must be from some insider it could even be Trump himself. I don't know. I read one story where I know this sounds far-fetched, but it, was, it wasn't actually re- – it was a video, and it really made a lot of sense, and it was saying that possibly JFK Jr. could be alive, as, and he could be the one that – Q, that he and his wife – because, you know, she rarely never flew with him, but she happened to fly that time. The thing is, is at that time, he was up for the Senate seat that Hillary wanted. Now, why Hillary would go from Arkansas all the way to New York uh, beats me, but – you know, she wanted that seat, and he was aware of it, so he knew he was on the hit list. So he, the, the story is he possibly he could have possibly faked his own death and formed like a coalition of people to try to get you know get the truth out and get all these corrupt people out because it's not even safe for him to live. You know, um, so that he staged his own killing or heard that Hillary was going to kill him, so made it look like he was dead. But he could be alive, and I, and I hear that he had more plastic surgery than his wife. This was in the video. And, and I don't know if this one's true or not, but it is. A, I, I love JFK Jr. I would love for it to be true. I, I would pray for it to be true, but it, it probably is not. But, you know, hey, if you were going against Hillary and you saw bodies dropping like crazy, you might, you could have got wind of, of uh, something that, that's about to happen and take himself out like that so to save his life. And, that, and it was him and his team of people who have been persuading Trump to run president because they knew he was clean and knew that he couldn't be bought now one of the most recent um q postings has to do with a a, a person with no name ha- does not have cancer but actually went to gitmo and we're all thinking that it's you know mcswampy mcdossier you know the uh, mccain <laughs> i don't know uh, that that um, he's really not dead he could possibly be just taken off to gitmo and might be a deal that he made where you know you're going to live out the rest of your life in prison, but uh, but we're not going to um, – we won't make you look like a traitor on your way out, whereas if they – well, how come they didn't prosecute him while he's alive then? You know what I mean? For his crimes, mm-hmm. uh, it, it kind of makes sense. Like, are they going to be honoring Hillary when she goes next? Because, you know, I don't know if you noticed this, but when Hillary had that supposed broken ankle and she had that uh, ankle uh, boot on, McCain had the same right. boot at the same time. Yeah, remember the, when they both had the same boot? And one of them – I can't remember which one. I want to say Hillary. One day, one of them wore it on the wrong leg. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard that, saw that one. Like, <laughs> someone had a meme like, wait, what happened? Did the sprain move legs, you know? But um, anyway, it's it's gossipy, but it, but there's a lot of fact in it. So I don't know which posts are true and which are not, but I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, one of our favorite subjects, which is taking down the sex traffickers, especially the people like Podesta. You know, I have my Podesta file song, Arrest of Podesta. Um, which you've had on your show before. Uh, so, you know, I think it all has to do with they're giving clues. They're talking about mirrored, like all the mirror. And what I think that that's, someone had a theory. It's a lot of theories. But one person had a theory of the mirror theory to be, okay, President Trump's campaign managers are prosecuted. So that makes it okay in the future for Hillary's to be prosecuted. You see what I mean? So everything has a mirror. Like whatever happens to Trump, but Trump's going to get off because he's clean. 
later on it's going to be okay to do it to Hillary because Trump already paved the way. You know, he already said, we did it for him, now we can do it for her. So it doesn't look like we're just picking on her. So I'm hoping, you know, fingers crossed that that has to do with it. But they have a slogan, where we uh, go one, we go all. So it's like it's the Great Awakening, and it's, it's for people to open their minds and not just listen to MSM, but to get all the information they can and, and what makes sense. And, 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 and they're posting things that actually are coming to fruition. So that's the thing. They, they put out posts almost every day, and it's almost like a, wiki, a WikiLeaks. Well, it's it's funny because you know I, when I was looking at the Q website and um, uh, oh jeez, uh, is it Ron? Yeah, Ron in the chat room said that it's believed that Q is a group of high-ranking military active and retired. You look at the quality of the stuff that is being put up there. I think it's it's people like you and me that have joined the Q movement, even though I haven't posted anything yet, but I've been following some right. of the stuff. Um, but it. it the, the quality of the stuff that is going up there and the accuracy is amazing. Yes, like WikiLeaks. Yes, like yes. WikiLeaks has never it, been it, had to be retracting anything, and and this is the same thing with Q. They haven't, but they do it in like little clues too, and they post links and they show you know along with the postings they'll make a little clue and and um, it's great. I think it's fantastic. It's it's the miracle we needed, you know. Uh, Trump is also the miracle we needed. I, I really believe that. So, um, God bless that case. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just, I know I've asked you this before, but when it comes to your lyrics, um, do you have someone that um, help you write those lyrics, or do you do that on oh, your no. own? It's all me. <laughs> all right. Yeah, tell me. I, 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 you know, that's what happens. I, I just get going and. And it flows. And it flows. On that one, I have like the little when I was mentioning all the the bad guys, you know, like uh, Mad Max yeah. and, and Pelosi. You, did you notice how I changed the music around? Like I'd make little like little jazzy one, little disco, little funk, little uh, folks music, and every you know and to. Uh, Make each one have their own little music tempo during in the break of the song. I don't know if you noticed that, but yeah, I just try to get my message across, and 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 I think there's some good slogans for Trump in my songs too. You know, like that, uh, like no other. Um, uh, you got to keep it going, no time to relax. Like no other president, Trump has got our backs. I mean, you know, to me that just flows right out. You know, true, he does have our backs. Well, that's the only one. Well, well, Mona, that's why I want to play the next song. Thank you, uh, President Trump. So oh, let's get back yeah. Mona Fishman on Thank You, President Trump. Thank you.
absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome, Mona. I got to tell you, while, while we were talking, we had a troll in the chat room. Just it was distracting me. I had to kick him. Out. I could not take it anymore. Um, Both of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my co-host Curtis has written 24 books. A couple of books were history books about the truth of the Democratic Party. Uh, I've got a friend of mine, uh, Coach Kevin Collins, that he's written a book about the truth about the Democratic Party. And yet they fail to understand the Democratic Party is the one that fought during the uh, Continental Congress to keep slavery in the Constitution. It was the Democratic Party that gave rise to slavery. It was the Democratic Party that defended slavery with the with the uh, uh, Kansas Agreement. Uh, yeah. It was the Democratic Party that repealed the civil rights that were in that were enacted by Republicans in Congress in 1865. They repealed it in 1895 when Democrats got control. It was the Democratic Party that gave rise to the registers that became the KKK. It is the Democratic Party that came up with welfare and social justice and government yeah. entitlement programs that keep people poor and under the foot of, of the Democratic leaders. Democratic urban areas that have the highest crime rate, and yet the leadership will do nothing to lower the crime rate in cities such as Baltimore, Los Angeles, Chicago, and I can go on and on and on. And it's the Democratic yeah. Party that is going out there with the Antifa and pulling down the Confederate statues, the statues of Southern history. Why? Because they want to hide history. And I, I'm sorry, I, when I get pissed, I and, get pissed. And, and this person <laughs> is saying that what we're telling him. It's a fantasy. <laughs> He's My gosh. The, or she's the one that's living a fantasy. The thing is, you know, this is what our schools are producing today. You know, government-run schools. They are producing um, people who have been brainwashed. And these kids come out in the world today. They're not critical thinkers. They just told a party line. And it's um, the Republicans. They're the ones who are the racist, you know. Um, yeah, they they might have done this in the past, but the the party switch, and like I said, how does that happen? You know, when you used to being the good guy, you just sit down at the table with the bad guys and say, "Hey, we're tired of being the good guys. Let's switch. Why don't y'all be the good guys for a change?" Never happened that way, but they would believe this. Well, I get offended whenever I hear that Republicans are all racist. So I always like to say Democrats are all racist then, you know, because it's like try to disprove that you are, you know. And if you recall, Clinton Gore used to have a sign that was on a Confederate flag when he was running for president. It had on the flag. And um, and Hillary, we know that she made out. <laughs> I have a poster of her kissing that, uh, what's his name, the, the late John Byrd, B-Y-R-D. And I always like to post that, the tra- surfer trashman video, bird, 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 bird is the word, whenever I post it because it's, uh, you, know, you know, it's like a picture's worth a thousand words. And here she is kissing the KKK grand poobah bird. So I always think that song goes with his my twisted sense of humor, but... Um, yeah, and then he shortly he died after that. So I'm thinking, you know, after kissing the hill, the hill of beast, and, you know, maybe she had something to do with <laughs> that death, but I don't know. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and who was at his funeral? Her and Bill Clinton, and, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, look at, look at Dr. Althea King, Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, niece. She's a strong Trump supporter. 
Does that make her a racist too? I hate that the way that they call it. Like, and, and Candace Owens, she's like the young. I love her, the young black girl on, and she's on Twitter a lot and on on the news and stuff. And she's very well spoken. Everybody who has a brain, I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. Now they're starting with this thing where if you use the word monkey, that's mm. supposed to be insinuating something for a whole race of people instead of just an actual yeah. monkey animal like it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just pull everything yeah. every which way. And Antifa, I think, first of all, I think everybody that's wearing, I get really mad that the people wearing masks aren't automatically just arrested for showing up with masks and whatever weapon in their hand. If they've got a mask and they're hiding something, they need to go because they're domestic terrorists. They're like soldiers of fortune for George Soros. And, you know, Antifa, is, and, you know, it's in my song, the, the Soros song, Soros calls us racist just to make you hate us. It's right in there. He pays for lies. He makes the left cry. So yeah, the racism thing is in that song too. So, um, which is upcoming, I know later on in the in the in our little episode here. But I feel you. It's very frustrating, and uh, and I'm Jewish, and they think I'm anti-Semitic for liking Trump. How is that possible? And look what he's done for Israel. You know, so um, he's got a, a Jewish daughter and, and 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 Jewish grandchildren, and he's from New York, and you know. He's a nice guy. Get over it. They hate him for what? For improving our life, for give, bringing back jobs, for, for, for helping our economy, for giving us the right to try, which is a huge thing. You know, I had the Dr. Brzezinski in several of my songs who, who Bill Clinton blocked, aggressively blocked cancer cures since 1994 with Dr. Brzezinski. And it rhymes with Lewinsky. So what my hashtag is Dr. Brzezinski rhymes with Lewinsky. But nobody really cares about that. They don't care that he used our tax dollars to prosecute and persecute this doctor. And his only sin was that he had a pretty effective uh, cancer cure for two different types of brain tumors at that time. And um, it's 1994 and, and, and on for years. And, and Bill Clinton's gotten away with that. And it's just ridiculous. Who, who are the real sinners? You know we're on the right team. You know we're on the right side. Well, that's true. And, you know, what's funny now is that the Mueller investigation is starting to implode. Things are coming out. You've got FBI whistleblowers coming out of the woodwork. And it's all being tied back, not just to Uranium One. It's being tied back to the Chinese agreement where they got technology under President Clinton and how it went backdoor into the Clinton administration funds. It ties back to uh, technology and stuff going to North Korea. It goes all the way back to not just Clinton's presidency, but even his governorship. The, the, the string of, of crime and corruption that surrounds the Clintons, and it also involves the Bushes, too, if you read Roger Stone's book, uh, it, it is so insidious and incestuous that if it weren't for the fact that it's out there, that it, it's actually, we have proof it has happened, you would think it was just a movie plot. But this is real life, and it's breaking open now. And maybe we will see Hillary go into prison. She is just the way that she was let off with it, the whole thing, Lames Comey and all those people. They're just horrible, horrific, and I hope they all pay for their crimes. And I think they should confiscate all their money and the Clintons' money and pay the American people back for this Mueller witch hunt that's cost all kinds of treasure. And 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 pay pay off all the people like um, Michael Flynn's legal bills and Caputo's, you know, all these people that have suffered for no reason. I wanted to all see it come around. I want to see the guilty people pay, and with not only with going to prison, but also with their assets. You know, pay us back. 
how many, two Absolutely. years of investigating nothing that they are, had already, it was all their scheme. How is it blatant in their face and the investigation's not over yet? This is just a farce. And I don't know if Jeff Sessions should change his name to Jeff Soros. Well, you know what I believe? <laughs> I believe after the um, like midterm that. elections, I believe that after the midterm elections, that's when um, Trump is going to dump Sessions and, and um, do some more firing over there at Justice and bring in some people who are going to go and look into um, the Clinton Foundation and some other things that um, seem a little suspect. So I'm hopeful that, you know, when this red tide comes in November, we're going to see a change in the way and direction that some investigation goes. That's one of the reasons I wrote the Drain the, the Swamp song, because I thought it was important, because Trump was out there saying, you know, it's important to get out there and vote. We can't relax just because we have the presidency. Because it's true, uh, if we don't keep the red candidates in, they're going to try to impeach Trump for nothing, but trying to help us, actually. And, and the fact that they tried to frame him, like, I hate Crapper, and I hate that um, all of us have already not liked the, the Brennan CIA guy that already ran and ran Paul people. We already knew he was a sack of crap. But um, for him to try to, you know, or anybody try to, to say that Trump did anything treasonous that can cause the death penalty, like Rand Paul said, these are serious charges. You're trying to kill a man for something he did not do. It's hor- It's just like horrific. It's almost biblical. I don't know. It's just, I, I'm ready for some change. That's why I made that song, so we'll hopefully get people out there to, you know, get them out to, to vote and not just, just think, oh, we're in, we'll be fine, I don't need to go. It'll be okay. Yeah. You know, we have to keep going for him because it could end at any minute. And, and, and if they get the, win the House, then they can at least try impeachment proceedings like they did with Bill Clinton. You know? Well, it, Remember? It's, it's funny because Clinton? now former President, former President Carter came out yesterday and said, stop talking about impeachment. It's not good for the party. Even Jimmy Carter, who I thought was going yeah. to be the worst president ever in our history, proved to be the second worst, <laughs> had, has the the foresight to see it is going to destroy the Democratic Party. Uh, but that said, you know, we were talking about Q and Soros, and I wanted to get in the song that you have, Smells Like Soros, because this is, this is the person that has been behind all of what has been going on for the last several decades. He has been working there like a little, I don't know, spider in a web. And just setting out his poison and just chewing things up like crazy. And people are, are his stooges. They're his stooges. Yes. He's running Black Lives Matter. He's running Antifa. And no mm-hmm. one is going mm-hmm. after him. Mona, mm-hmm. why hasn't anyone charged him with treason or with inciting riots mm-hmm. or bribery? I don't know. I think Hungary is starting to treat to, uh, to go after him, though. So, um I don't know why, because his his ties run deep, and you know he's he's got that whole thing all like twisted up into a big gnarly like lot of string with knots in it that we have to like unfold each knot one at a time, I guess. But you know, and and another one I don't like is that Tom Steyer, but he's small potatoes next. Soros has been doing this for years. Um, I almost wanted to add a new verse with you know Soros and Steyer, what a bunch of liars. But um, this is just dedicated strictly to Soros, or as I like to call him, cirrhosis. Um, and it's a song just about uh, George Soros and all the sins that he commits. And uh, <laughs> the real Dr. Evil of our day, that's what he is. 
<laughs> little mini me. <laughs> like the lyrics say, you know. It's a funny song. Well, no, and also has a shout out to Paris Accord in there too. You notice that? There's a shout out to uh, oh, Paris yes. Accord. Yeah, an anti. <laughs> which, which the Paris Accord, which Trump overturned, along with just recently yeah, with in the NAFTA. Door thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so here it is. It smells like Soros. Smells like Soros. Real structure evil of his day. 
on your music oh my god the greatest influence hmm. oh my gosh I don't know there's so many awesome you mean like I don't know I, I greatest influence well some of the bands that I love you mean as far oh, yeah. as rock would be I'm a big fan of um of Rob Halford the singer for for Judas Priest um I, I love Phil Collins' music. Um, gosh, I love so many. It's, I can't even think. You know, the band London, um, I'm very close with, and, and I'm actually singing backups on a couple of songs on their new album. Uh, it's, a, it's a band from Hollywood that uh, Nikki Six started years ago, and it's had, like, all the members from Guns N' Roses have been in it, you know, except for Axel. And uh, Nader DePriest helped me produce uh, some Soros song and Drain the Swamp. He recorded... Uh, my vocals and stuff for me, and he is the actually the voice of the um, the fake news announcer in my fake news song. Um, and let's see, on Led Zeppelin, I always love Led Zeppelin and Robert Plant. Um, I love just about everybody. There's not not too many I don't love. Uh, there's really not a lot of music that Maybe. I don't love. <laughs> well, are you going on a tour soon, or are you just <laughs> you going on a tour soon? Are people going to be able to see you perform? Well, you know, hopefully hopefully I will be performing at some rallies and stuff, especially when it gets close, especially for the 2020 um, election. But, yes, I, I'd like to oh, do yeah. some little rallies, maybe in California, you know, maybe for if Omar or, or Antonio Sabatino Jr. or somebody wants me, I can drive over there, um, and you Florida, know, to do the midterms. Too. Don't forget yeah, Florida. Yeah, kind of far drive, <laughs> <but> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll get you to, over I'd here. I'd like to perform my song anywhere. I want to. I want to perform it for Trump. You know, any of them. I want to perform. I have seven songs for him so far, um, and uh, wow. and hopefully I'll have those couple couple more. Yeah, soon. Yeah. Well, I'd, you mentioned like fake funny. news. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned fake news, and and this is the whole thing that the left is going rabid because here you've got still Fox. They're not completely conservative, but you know the, the closer you can get to it at this point in time, outside of alternative media like outlets like mine and like Kells and like Tim's, who's in the chat room, and others here using these type of platforms. There you'll get you know more conservative, but we're more talk than we are news. And it used to be, you know, I remember growing up. The journalists went out there, they read the news, it was unbiased, and it was simply the facts. And then you had the news hours where you did have a round table of people expressing opinions. But that was kept separate from journalism. Journalism was pure and simple, and then opinion was separate. But it's all blended today. You cannot separate it anymore. Yeah. Disgusting. I think they should do their broadcasting licenses or at least have to take the word news out of their titles and call it stories, CNN stories, you know. Uh, they need to change their name and put stories or just take them off the air for live. And, and, and CNN. CNN yeah, fantasies. Well, you know, <laughs> and then they all say they have the same everything. They always have the same outlook of everything. It's just it's just printed up, and they all read it from their different stations. And it's automatic anti-Trump, no matter what. And you know, it makes them look really crazy because Trump didn't do anything to them. 
Nobody's died because of Trump. You know, you can't say that about a lot of other presidents. You know, nobody's, you know, he hasn't done anything to anybody but helped their pocketbook. And actually, all these people who are hating Trump are actually should be thanking him because they're getting attention because of Trump. <laughs> well, you know, our friend in the can- chat room, Ron, uh, our friend uh, Ron in the chat room makes a comment, which is kind of like makes sense. Um, she's saying that you should contact your Trump directly, his administration, about your music. Maybe have your attorney write a letter because Steven Tyler had his lawyer write a letter telling Trump to stop using Aerosmith music. So use the same logic. Get a hold of the local attorney. What a great And, you know, pay him a few bucks. Write a letter and say, you know, I want you to cease and desist from not using my music. (laughs) There you go. Make him listen. That's a cute thing. Because I'm I'm having a hard time getting him to hear it. And I'm sure once he hears it, you know, I heard from uh, uh, Corey Lewandowski and his his um, David, I think his last name is Bosi. You know, they wrote the book "Let Trump Be Trump." Well, one time I saw David on Fox News, and he said that, uh, that Trump loves music, and he listens to he listens to rock, and he listens to it in his on his plane at least for an hour to a day. And I, that made me very, you know, encouraged because that makes me think maybe one day he will listen to mine, and uh, maybe like it, you know, or at least his grandkids might like it. It might be a little hard rock for him, but. Yeah, uh, David Bossy, the guy that wrote it with Corinne Lewandowski. Because I don't know if anyone can see on the camera behind me. The book is on the desk behind me. Uh, Yeah, but uh, we want to play the fake news one. That's definitely, we definitely want to get that one up. That's my favorite one. Yeah, I like that one. Well, I posted it. I posted up in the chat room the link to your webpage, which is very simply your name, monafishman.com, so people can check out your music directly out there. So here is fake news. Thank
unfortunately, we got some, uh, because of Blog Talk Radio uh, sound quality, some of the listeners are having problems with getting the lyrics. Uh, but I want to let them know that this is also up on YouTube as well as Spreaker and up on iTunes. So if you want to listen to the songs later on, go in there. You'll probably have a better quality uh, because I'm not playing this directly through uh, Blog Talk specifically. Oh. So it does get I, you do get better audio cast when you go to the other sources, which people can actually get to those sources by simply going to my website. Just put a dash in the, in the middle of the name, southern-sense.com, and they can catch it there also. Matter of fact, there's a Spreaker link, so if you're having problems hearing on DTR, just go to my webpage, and you can click on the Spreaker link right there, and it, you'll see the audio is actually playing there too. And Spreaker does it with stereo. So uh, just to let you know... We've got multiple sources. Don't oh. worry, multiple platforms are right on on there. So, and, and people who and listen, also, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, oh, I was going to say, and also, if anybody wants to download it or upload it to their computers, um, they're all available for free. So, if you want to burn a CD and listen to it in your car, or you know, uh, put it on your iPod, they're all available for free on my SoundCloud. So, um, yeah. And may I add something? Because uh, you mentioned Steven Tyler. Doesn't he look like a monkey, or is that racist that I said that? Uh. <laughs> I was yeah, thinking more like a, a mummy with makeup on. <laughs> oh, he looks horrible. Yeah, anyway. He used to be compared to Mick Jagger, but I don't know which is better, monkey well, or Mick, Mick Jagger. Jagger. <laughs> Mick Jagger doesn't seem to mind. Isn't he letting Trump's using his song all the time? Of the, you can't always get what you want, you know, the song. At the end of his rally, yeah. well, he's, probably, he's probably getting royalties too, so he's laughing all the way to the bank. So. All the way to <laughs> the, the bank. That. Well, you know, Rush, yeah. Rush Limbaugh had the same problem. Um, the song that he used as his um, intro song, um, the artist found out about it, and she was upset about it, and she made him take it down for a while. So apparently, they worked out an agreement because that's the same song he's using again. Oh, I love so the lefties. I think I think what happens is the lefties they they act on emotion, but their bosses at their recording studio say, "Hey, this is money. What are you doing?" (laughs) Right, their agents too are probably like they want their ten percent. Yeah, it's I don't know what the problem is. They they have to stick together in this bogus, fake fantasy thing that they've got going on that, that Trump is this horrible person and what's really really bad and really really sad is a lot of these people really loved Trump before he ran for president Whoopi Goldberg was his friend before they were pres- before he ran for president you know um, it's, and all of a sudden like uh, Sarah Palin's daughter Bristol said uh, if, if all these celebrities who hate Trump if Trump was still just a plain old billionaire they would be lining up around the block to get to in, into one of his parties if he hasn't, exactly. wasn't president, just a plain old billionaire, they'd be lining up to come in on the red carpet. You know, they're so, so fake. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely so fake. You know, it, they'll be your friend one minute and then your enemy the next. It only as, as far as it suits their need and their purpose. It's the hollow people. But yet we do see uh, with Trump when Beyonce had her cousin that was brutally murdered. He And the, the media was swamping her. He was able to sequester her in one of his places quietly so she and her family can grieve and, and do what they need to do without having the media, you know, knocking them over the head. And you hear about time after time where he'll be driving somewhere and he'll see something happen. He'll jump out and give aid. 
No, he doesn't send his driver. He doesn't send an aide. He will physically get out and give a hand. Oh. And this is the Trump no one talks about. But instead, no, he's it's an arrogant billionaire. Hey, I don't always agree with the way he says something. But in the end, the message he delivers is, is, is a true message. And I think that's why he appeals to the common man. We are not all eloquent speakers, <laughs> at least of all me. Uh, but the fact that he has the message he's getting across. Now, whether or not he follows up and makes his promise with arresting Hillary, we'll see. I have a funny feeling, like I said, this Mueller investigation is starting to implode. And the Clinton circle, along with all the others, with Pondesta, Lenny Davis, and so on and so forth, this is all starting to implode. I don't see anything happening before the end of his term here, but in his second term, I'm going to see the crap hit the fan with the the whole thing. I think it's going to go a complete 180 degree. Oh, yeah. Did you know that Jill Biden runs, I call it reserve, I mean save the children? Jill Biden runs save the children. Do we know who she's saving them for now? Come on, how many times did they go dine over Podesta's playpen and, and dine around that sicko art collection he has, all the pedophile art that he has? Which, by the way, is all depicts white children only. I guess they like white meat only over there at John Podesta's house for his walnut sauce pizza, surviving pizza party, you know. So Jill Biden might be snatching them for. I don't know how she got to be in charge of Save the Children, a.k.a. Reserve the Children. Just my little final well, note there. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, we I can go on the Clintons on and on and on forever, uh, but <laughs> we'll save that for well, another I'm, time. Yeah, I, I know we're out of time and everything, but I just wanted to get that in there because a lot of people might not realize that, and uh, that's awfully close for comfort, especially with grubby grandpa. If he's ready, if he's going to be the one running, I'm ready. I'm just ready for I'm gonna, I'm ready for whoever is going to try to go against Trump. I'm ready to start writing songs right away. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, you know, that said, uh, don't forget, we got Chelsea Clinton still waiting in the wings, saying that she's good, probably going to try to run for Senate or for the presidency. Uh, we've got... Oh, uh, <laughs> Howdy Doody's biological daughter? That's Howdy Doody's biological yeah, daughter. Web, web, web Hubble. Hubble. Yeah. Web Hubble's gift. Yeah, with the facelift, the recent facelift. Yeah. Anyway, it's we're out of time mankind. here, folks. It keeps on giving. Uh, Mona, I want to thank you for joining us. I'm going to finish off the show, not with my normal song, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. I'm going to finish off the song today for you uh, with Trump Train. I want to thank you for joining us. Your website is your name, monafishman.com. God bless for all the hard work you do, Mona. Thank you. Thank you guys both for having me. Yeah, I'll be in touch. Okay, thanks. All right, and uh, Curtis, we'll be back here. We've got Gregory Wrightstone uh, talking about the climate hoax, but also about the IRS scandal that has been breaking over conservative groups. Uh, he'll be joining us on this coming Tuesday. So we've got some great shows lined up for in the future. So I want to thank everyone for joining us. Check out Cal Fritzy. She is back officially this coming Tuesday. Uh, Global Patriot Radio. Check out uh, Cal. The Cal, God bless and welcome home. Hers is at 2 p.m. at Tuesday. So this is Mona Fishman, Trump Train. I say good night and God bless. Oh, thank you.